0: 33 of the All Things Strength and Wellness podcast. I'm your host once again, Robbie Burke. And on this episode, I had the pleasure in interviewing strength and conditioning legend Al Vermeule. On this episode, me and Al discuss many, many topics to do with strength and conditioning. It was an extremely informative interview. Al shared a lot of great wisdom and knowledge. And I hope you guys really enjoy the show. Uh, Coach Al Vermeule, it is an absolute pleasure and honor to have you on my podcast. Just for the listeners... For whoever uh, might know who you are, which I don't think will be too many people, just fill us in on, on your background.
1: Well, basically, I was a high school football coach for 10 years and uh, had some success there at Moreau High School, and that led me to the 49ers when I was on Coach Bill Walsh's first staff there. I was part of Super Bowl sixteen where we beat Cincinnati. And then I left the 49ers and started my own, job, my own business and developed a computerized timing device. Uh, The great Don Chu and I worked together for a while and are still uh, very close personal friends. Don's my best friend. And then uh, that led me to the Chicago White Sox and uh, Chicago Bulls. And so I moved to Chicago in 1985 and worked for the Bulls from 1985 full-time to 201, and then I was just part-time from 01 to 07. I worked for the White Sox for about a couple of years, but uh, four general managers later, <laughs> I was just working for the Bulls, which worked out to be the, the best choice anyway. And, uh, you know, basically I was a, a high school athlete. I started lifting weights in 1960, long before people were doing that. And uh, how I got involved in that, my brother's high school coach in the, in the mid-50s had left and went to another job and he had his kids lifting weights and my first program really came from uh, LSU. I'm sure many of your European listeners may not know the name Alvin Roy but he's really the godfather of all the strength coaches. He was at LSU in 1958. They won the national championship and that's when football players played both ways and they were really in shape and he had a great all
0: you say have been your biggest influences throughout your career from a coaching standpoint uh yeah let's uh, let's say but both both a coaching standpoint and then as, as a person
1: Saw a thing on television about some of the great men of America, and one of the common, the four, four or five men that rebuilt America, people like Carnegie, uh, Rockefeller, uh, Morgan, uh, Vanderbilt, and Ford. They were always trying to get better, and they were never satisfied. I just saw the great Betty Davis, who's uh, uh, long passed away. She was never satisfied with any of her movies, and she was nominated ten times. Yeah. And I, I see coaches get very satisfied and set in their ways, and they don't grow. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that was a long introduction, very sorry to do that.
0: Oh, uh-huh, no, that's, that that's all, it's all great information. Uh, coach, what would you say are, are the, the biggest problems you see within the strength and conditioning profession today?
1: Well, what I see is they're not trained strength and conditioning. There's always rehab stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do any test. If you do enough tests, you can find something. someone is not functioning. And sometimes ignorance is bliss. You know, we didn't. I did a lot of evaluation in terms of athleticism, and we looked at other factors. But uh, let me answer this question this way: If I had w- one test to do, I'm going to let a pause here. If I had one test to give an athlete, I want the listeners to think: What would that be? Would it be strength? Would it be an overhead squat? Would it be a jump? Would it be a change of direction? Would it be flexibility? None of the above. We're talking about athletes. We're not talking about private citizens that are thirty pounds overweight. Uh, speed. If you find someone that can run fast, they have the qualities that you can build upon. As long as the other, here's the other key ingredient. Mm-hmm. If they can't, if they don't have an instinct for the sport, nothing you're going to do is going to improve it.
2: Yeah, yeah. So the only
1: success I ever, I don't want to even say success. Contributions I helped that the athlete helped himself to, to improve. They had the ability. The great horse, Grant, had the ability. Scottie Pippen had the ability. Bill Cartwright had the ability. John Paxson, BJ Arm, whoever you want. If you take someone who has the instincts to play a game, and that's an instinct, it's a gift, and then you get these other qualities and they can run fast, and here's why speed's so important. It takes ex- maximal strength, explosive strength, reactivity, all those qualities, the further you run out, strength and explosive strength early than reactivity, but relaxation, the ability to con- contract the muscle and relax it quickly, yeah. intermuscular yeah. coordination. And if they can do those things, hell, I, hey, if they can't quite overhead squat, Scott, we can get it better. They, they can't, do, they, and you, I already said they have the inst- you can build on someone that's got horsepower. For example, if you've got a car that is running at 300 horsepower, but by boring it out, putting a better camshaft in, better injectors, bit I'm slide-
0: It's all great stuff, and um, all great stuff, Coach. Just with regards to performance testing, um, uh, what 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 would you look at with regards to performance testing? Because I, I know, I know w- one of the biggest influences from from just your work and your writings is your your athletic development hierarchy, where you show that work capacity, oh, yeah. where work 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 capacity supports max strength, and max strength supports explosive strength, and explosive strength supports elastic reactive strength, and then all these biomodal qualities end up supporting speed. So how do you look at each one of these body qualities with regards to your testing?
1: Well, athletic testing, in terms of athletic testing, I I already said speed. Then you'd look at vertical jump, and I took, just from Carmelo Bosco, I took the squat jump, hands on the hips, counter movement jump, and then I did, I wasn't, I didn't know, I I did what we call repeat verticals, I looked at the time on the ground for the second, third, and fourth jump. Mm And what I wanted to see is how long they're on the ground, and I divided it into the height. Don Chu and I started doing this off an 18-inch box in the late 70s and early 80s, and we didn't have a name for it. Now it's called the Reactive Strength Index. And so what we what what we did that, and then we did a step close. In other words, we take one step on a mat and jump up to see if you can how well you convert from linear to vertical. And if you can do that one, you'll run pretty fast. Back to the squat jump, looks at kind of explosive strength. The uh, counter movement is explosive strength with elasticity. Then the repeat is more elastic. And what I looked for, and I didn't, is, is certain guys could jump off the ground high with short contact times. They didn't lose much off their counter movement jump. Some guys lost a lot off their counter movement. And when I met Carmelo late in his life, he had a jump where you did four repeat jumps, or no, he did them for time. I can't remember, maybe 10 or 15 seconds. I can't remember the exact protocol.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But he would have you do just four, uh, he would have you do it for time, counter movement jumps in a repeat fashion. And then he would have you do what he called stiffness. Uh, you would just do the same amount of time, but you would have minimal or little knee flex. Yeah. And he looked at the power differences between those to determine whether you needed to work your lower limb your, uh your hips and quads and hamstrings. So one of the things a person can do is just have someone do four jumps or five, whatever, and get the height for the every jump after the first one. And you can look at the time on the ground, and then have them do the same thing with minimal knee flex. And if you see a big difference, if you some someone with minimal knee flex is long on the ground or no power, then you need to work the lower leg. And one thing that no one talks about anymore, it's the most undertrained part of the body, is the calf. And when I was growing up, we used to do, we call them toe raisers, they're really heel raisers. We did a ton of those. And the calf is very important in the initial acceleration phase, and then it's very important eccentrically to resist that impact as you, as, as you accelerate faster and faster. And if people would just look at their lower legs, When you have, just think about it, how many guys do you deal with that have patella or some femoral problems, and we're strengthening the quad and all that. But if that lower leg isn't absorbing or you don't have good mobility in it, then that, if one joint isn't doing the job, either in mobility or uh, stabilizing, then the next joint's got to take more. So that's just a good jump thing. I talked about we would sprint, and one of the things I did is we would sprint 10 meters a total of 20 but i'd look at 0 to 10 and then we did a change the direction meters can you take hold us a second
0: yeah absolutely yeah
1: fantastic and that basically this was all done on my computerized timing device see what we what i did is i took one old now but we took a computer and we could do anything with it and one of the tests was lateral change of direction. So you faced a response, a light box. It would make you go two and a half meters, say, to the left. And when you hit that mat, if you didn't hit it, it, it defaulted. So you couldn't, you couldn't fool it. And you had to stay facing forward. Then you ran to the other mat, which is a total of five meters, and planted your foot and back. So if someone did that test in, let's say, three seconds, and they did a 1 8, a one eight to 1 seven 10 meters, that's pretty good. That difference I found between 1 2 and 1 3. But if someone did a 3 2 on the change of direction, on an average, and they ran a, a 1 7, they weren't using their speed efficiently. So one of the things I would recommend to coaches, and you don't have to have a computer, if I was doing it in, in, like, rugby and those sports, uh, where you're running forward, I would have someone run, and I, I suggested this to the NFL in 1985, but, you know, that's a that's 1986, is that you have someone take a football or the rugby ball, and you put it under their arms, and you have them run, or you can take the ball out and start with have them run, say, 20 meters, whatever distance, and then you set up an obstacle course with choices they have to make and run the same distance with the ball under their arm. The person that's most efficient has the smallest amount of time between their straight-ahead speed and their cutting speed. That's the person that has instincts. So I've seen guys play in the NFL. We had a running back with the 49ers and a couple of And one of them wasn't very fast. All he could do was make yards. There's, you know, so it's how well you use your athleticism yeah that's what i was always looking at and it didn't take long here's the other thing when you have a great athlete it doesn't take you five minutes of working with them to know that you've got someone that's got it mm-hmm. and here's the people the top guys won't fool you and the bad guys won't fool you it's the people in the middle that's the toughest to determine whether they can they can play or not and I'm gonna go back to one point. If they can't play, then you're wasting your time.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. The other thing we did. If I was looking strictly at mobility, is the overhead squat. Mm-hmm. If you want to look, you can do all the hamstring, all the hamstring toe touch. You know, if you can overhead squat, that means you've got hip mobility, ankle mobility, shoulder mobility, thoracic spine mobility. So why you got to spend your time doing another 40 tests? And uh, a, a simple test for change of direction is if you get someone up in the running position, their right knee up, their left arm back, now just have them switch their feet as fast as they can and see if they can do that and stabilize each landing. So, yeah. You know, well,
0: what, what about, what about markers for, for work capacity and, and maximum strength?
1: Okay, work capacity. If I in, 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 in one of the, this is too tough take the actual test was a skiing test where they took a 40 centimeter box for the alpine skiers and they'd start on one side jump up on top of that box and down the other side and they the, the alpine skiers could do 100 to 115 in 90 seconds
3: hmm. we
1: modified it to a 12 inch box and tried to, get, tried to get 90 to 100 in 90 seconds if you want to go see There was a high correlation to what they could do in 60 seconds. So if you want a cheap, dirty test to see if someone's in shape, that's one of them. Now, we didn't train that, and we didn't do that with draft choices when we brought them in, because if they had the athletic qualities, I could get the rest. In terms of other ways to determine or to improve work capacity, one of the most underused and best tools, but it's not complicated, and someone can't come in with your foreign voice. and in Dazzle you is a medicine ball we would take guys and throw the medicine ball at one end of the gym football basketball did not matter and we'd do 20 throws and then we'd stride down the other end of the court and people would ask me what's that pace I stride and then we'd throw 20 more and we'd go back all the way up and back
0: Regards to, to strength, what what would what, what do you think is strong enough for? We'll say you know just the general uh, field field type athlete. So for for both athlete,
1: males and ma- all the. That's what you want to get to, and if you're not going to back squat, then your front squat should be 85% of whatever you can back squat. And Mm -hmm. one one thing I've told coaches, if you don't want to go quite as heavy in a back squat, you should never back squat more than you can front squat. Mm -hmm. So if you if your back squat is 85% of if your front squat's 85% of your back squat, so if I don't so if I go in one day and I'm doing 90% of my back squat for my front squat, I'm working at a load. That's a little more, a little lighter, but I'm still doing the exercise. Mm-hmm.
0: So, mm-hmm. Anyway. What, what about what about any upper upper body uh, indicators? Would you look at military press or bench press? Well,
1: oh, yeah. uh, now that's my. You know, if you're really going to look at strength, throw the bench press out. Everybody, see when I started lifting, it was the military press. And yeah. I met the great Tommy Kono a year uh, last January, and I military pressed. And now people are going to say, "Ooh, you're lifting overhead." The last time I, I know. How many times in a lifetime, by the time you're 10 years old, do you lift your arms overhead? Every time. Huh? Yeah, but we're not going to... The joint's made to go overhead. you just got to make sure it has that range of motion, and yet your scapulars rotate upward and outward. So I, I believe the military is good. I like to push press. Uh, now, I know everybody uses a vent, but I like to push press. I don't have any hard data on it, but I, I think a normal sized athlete should be able to at least push presses. Now, if you're talking about a big offensive lineman, 300 pounds, I think they should be able to push press, you know, close to their body weight. A normal sized 200 or 100 kilo athlete probably going to do more, a lot more than that, because the bigger you get, the, the less relative strength you have. So, uh, I li- I like the push press and the squat. Uh, I, I like. Clean pull RDL. I think you should build the RDL probably close to one and a half times your body weight or 130%. Uh, I like cleaner snatch pulls and and for power uh, for lifting a-, 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 a cyclical meaning one repetition movement. I like uh, power cleans, power snatch, um, uh push jerks. One of the things I wanted to talk about and that I've added since you, I talked with you there's ex- there's strength which is clean pulls, pressing those uh, kind of things and there's explosive strength or as Charlie would call it uh, power strength uh, and there's acyclical mm-hmm. which is the act- you know, explosive medicine ball throws which is a whole great thing to do with- I've gotten into doing those and boy are they demanding and those are one repetition but you have to graduate your exercise to where they're repetitive so you can do medicine ball jumps are repetitive. You can obviously do jumps that are repetitive because as we move in sports, it's not acyclical. It's more than one repetition. And the better you get at cyclical motions, sprinting and jumping, that inner muscle coordination, the ability from the agonist and antagonist to coordinate better, becomes better. But if all you do is cyclical movements, and here's one thing, and I, you know, do I have research on it? No. But if I waited for research to tell me what I did, I, I'd have never improved. That's the other thing. Be careful of waiting for someone to tell you. If your eyes tell you and your results tell you, that's all you need. And what I'm saying is that you need to have that coordination. And I think if you stay under powerlift deadlift, bench, and squat, and that's all you do too long, you. it's not that it's, that's that's, of the motion slows you is is the the culprit it's the fact that you're under tension so long the muscles don't learn how to turn on and turn off quickly Mm -hmm. Charlie made a great point it's not only how fast the muscle turns on it's how fast it turns off because if it doesn't prime itself right the next contraction isn't going to be in the right sequence now that may sound like a lot of malarkey but that's I really believe that's why the Olympic lifts are so good because they require a quick contraction and quick relaxation, and that's that's why I don't like things that are uh, under tension forever. Now, there it doesn't mean you don't do some good eccentric work. I'm not saying that, but that's why I like the jumps and the sprinting, and that's why I always include some form of sprinting, low-level jumping, throughout my programs. Mm-hmm that I just don't do one form of training for six weeks and then switch because you're going to get sore. You have to organize it so you have a priority, but you do these other things so when you transition from one phase to another, the athlete isn't going to get sore. Yeah, yeah. And I think you've got to keep that. that i tell you a good book your listeners ought to get. is Sartorsky's Principles of Training. Outstanding. I'd read it when I got it. I had question marks. We read it ten years later. I could I, th- I was able to answer my own questions because I had a better depth of understanding after training athletes for more 10 years. And I reread it again last year. And the other one is uh, one of Bump is periodization of sports. There's a couple power that are really really good and explain these things in much better detail than I can. Yeah. But uh, that's why I say speed work is so important because if someone runs fast, they know how to turn it on, turn it off. They have coordination. And I'm sure some of your listeners have worked with athletes, and the coach will come up and say he's tight, and you do all the flexibility testing. Not, they're not tight. They look tight because they don't have good intermuscular coordination.
3: Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm, Yeah. yeah. You know, and and so again, going up this pyramid, the ultimate thing, if 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 someone said what's the one quality you had to train was most important, I would train speed.
2: Yeah.
1: Now, with that said. To take to get to run faster, there's a lot of things, but that's the ultimate. If you can, if you find someone that can make people faster, they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's a test. They can get them to run faster, and that's why Derek Hansen does such a great job in a school, of, you know, Division two school in Canada. I see his results with his players and stuff, and he's not getting the Division one guys <laughs> that are going to Alabama and stuff.
0: Yeah. so, so. Um, can anyway. you, can you talk about the um, the speed continuum and the certain uh, biomechanical qualities that correlate to the to the to the speed continuum? So like zero to ten is kind of more maximum oh, strength. I, and, yeah, I
1: got that right in front of me. Yeah, that you know, and I, I've read different studies and I get conflicting things, but from experience and common sense, it takes a maximum strength, maximum relative strength. So, in other words, how much force can you just put in the ground? Explosive, how fast use it that's zero to ten and i know a guy named baker did some research he said the first two yards with a half yard meters were squats and i've read another one those squats are further up But the bottom line is that's why you've got to put force into the ground so you've got to have the ability to put then you've got to have the ability to put it in fast that's explosive strength that's your olympic lifts your uh, now here's where kettlebells are great the kettlebell jumps between your legs uh Explosive medicine ball throws, um, and then uh, explosive medicine ball jumps, and then you go 10 to 30. That transition, and that's where you're going from single repetition to cyclical exercises. So then you're going to do elastic strength exercises with still a fairly larger a larger range of motion to match the leg angles, and there'll be a little longer ground contact on. And in between that 10 to 30, gradually you switch to shorter contact times, so smaller angles, to eventually you're really just doing like hurdle jumps and you're just popping off that ground and and when you're doing hurdle jumps, two legs make sure they're not there just tucking their knees, you want them to just pop over them like a pogo stick and in fact, I've got a, a constant, one of the things I've been thinking about with young kids is just getting them on pogo sticks because so that's what you want if you're going to do a hop, meaning one leg use a very low hurdle, you don't want a big triple jump hop, you want just using there's a difference between an in-depth jump uh, because I've read the uh, uh, Berkoshansky's daughter's done an excellent job presenting her father's material and an in-depth jump is not it's how high you jump
0: Talk about the medicine ball uh, trolls too. Um, the, dif- the difference between the the non-counter versus the counter. Oh,
2: Yeah.
1: and then what you do is on the flat or up a hill you push the ball out there as far as you can and then you accelerate out after uh, Derek calls them push starts I mean those are just great and you can also when you do your side throws can be like a discus throw and you can put two hands on it and throw it like a shot put uh, those are tremendous things and you're not going to hurt anybody a great way if you don't want to do Olympic lifting. They're not exactly the same training effect. But I I just think they're great. Uh, The other one I really like is a vertical jump throw where I squat all the way down and throw it up as high as I can. And people say, well, why do you call it a vertical jump throw? Well, they did research and found you improve your vertical jump more from doing a full squat than partial squats. Really? (laughs) Because to train the quads, and here's one of the things the single leg squat doesn't do. It trains the glutes good. But the quads are trained by depth. The range of motion is more important in developing the quad than the load. The glute is trained more by the load. So when you go to single leg, you got a lot more load on the glute, and you're getting the glute medius. So I'll do a single explosive throw that way. And it, it ain't, not, boy, you know, and I mean, you got to do maximum. You can't go out there and, you know, oh, don't do this. You know, you, you know, you got to get out and get after it. And that's the one thing coaches, I always created, tried to create in a weight room. You got to have some energy flowing. You got to be getting after it. You're not going to get more explosive with, ugh. That's why you, when you watch a shot putter and they scream and grunt or lifting weights or the NFL, you're giving a maximum effort. If you're going to go out there and just do easy throws for recovery, that's one thing. If you're going to do repetitive ones, easy, that's and that's great to use on the off days to recover. But if you want to improve your explosiveness, you've got to get after it. I mean, you know, you you, and some people don't understand it, and that's why they don't improve. Quite frankly, you you, you're not going to get that central nervous system involved unless you get it fired up. I mean, you've got to emotionally get engaged. Uh, I uh, I just.
0: So I'll, I'll, I have one of your presentations here in front of me and just looking at one of your, your weekly schedules for a, um, a zero to ten priority and you just I'll just bring it through like one day you have your dynamic warm up and speed your elastic jumps your explosive medicine ball throws, Olympic lifts and strength training just for the listeners give, give us an example of what, what each of these components would would uh, do would yeah, I'm trying
1: to find that I, I don't probably have the exact presentation in front of me but I'll probably have I just want to so I, I, because what you do it's, it's the amount of time. Mm-hmm. So, what you you only have so much time, and I've got one right in front of me where it says uh, okay I've got something that's some. So and that zero to ten, what is their biggest deficiency? Yeah. Okay, let's say I'm working with you and you're not very strong, so I'm going to spend half the time on the on just watch pulls and getting strong. And then I'll do enough speed drills and maybe a few short sprints just as I warm up to get that, so we have that, and then we'll probably do a little jumping, maybe 10 minutes. Now, uh, if you're not good at the Olympic lifts or we're just teaching technique, then I'll work some explosive medicine ball throws, but then I'm going to go spend at least an hour on strength. Yeah. So what I tell your listeners are is develop some type of evaluation where you can look and you say this athlete what is what is are, what, are, what is keeping them from moving quickly zero to ten yards. I've got the exact thing. So I'm, I, that's why I gave such great variation. In fact, I'm looking at the one you have. Your warm ups thirty to fifty minutes. That's dynamic and some speed work. Mm-hmm. And I've got some jumps either you can go zero to 15 minutes, where are they at? So what you do is you look at where they're at, if they're weak. Now let's say I've trained you and you're squatting, uh, let's say you weigh 100 kilos and you're squatting 200 but you're only cleaning uh, 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 120 kilos. Yeah. Well, hey, you don't have enough explosive strength.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or let's say you're, you're clean and squat are great and you're still not running good, well, let me look at your uh, one standing long jump. I forgot to mention mention this. So let's say, and I don't know how to convert it to meters. I I don't know what, uh, let's say nine feet. Well, let's say three meters. Let's say you can do three meters in one jump. Yeah. And I have you do three to five jumps in a row, and they they average less than nine meters per jump. Then your cyclical work isn't good, so you need to do more of that that doesn't mean i don't do strength work in this time because that's still i want to always but i i just shade that time i just take and shade what's going on. and if you're good in all those and you're not running fast then it's got to be a technical problem so you look at strength number one you've done the work capacity so let's, you know and you ask me something if you do a good job in work capacity doing old javoric strength uh, i call strength circuit he called the complex if you do a great job with that and tempo and medicine ball, you're going to take ninety-five percent of those deficiencies and get rid of them.
3: Yeah.
1: You know, if you're doing body weight squats and you're doing those kind of things and overhead squats with the stick, young kids are going to develop the mobility. Yeah. And so, we've got that taken care of. So if then you have to look at technical, then you do some more things like push starts and more accelerations. And, and trying to figure out where technically they're not putting the force in the ground. Mm-hmm. And you go through each thing and you got 0 to 20, same thing. As I go 0 to 20, if they still lack strength, I spend more time on strength. If their strength is high, I spend more time on other things. Yeah, yeah. So you just shade it. It's kind of, if, if they would look at this as a portfolio in the business, you know, you have a, a good portfolio has you covered in all places you don't put all your eggs in one basket all you do in this is where what quality is affecting them the most to perform the given distance and the reason I went and I'll explain this to you I used to call 0 to 10 strength and I used to call 0 to 20 explosive strength and 0 to 30 elastic strength and then 30 out speed I took and changed that because I wanted them to put distance I felt that gave them a better picture. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and in one of the examples, I actually have someone, let's say you have someone really good at 0 to 10. Then on Wednesday, I have a 0 to 20 workout because I want to get ready for that next cycle. There's no absolutes. I don't have a magic formula. Uh, Some things I say here will apply good to certain people, but you have to understand how to apply it. And the big question I'm always asked is, geez, Al, I'm one coach and I have 30 kids. Well, basically you're going to get three groups. The kids are going to need to stay in work capacity forever. Then you're going to have the middle of the road, guys, that you're going to go through a shorter work capacity and start to zero and ten. And then you're going to have the stallions. Now that's the person you've got to be most careful with because they have high force output. They're well coordinated, and you're want you're going to want to accelerate the intensity and volume faster than their body can adapt
3: mm-hmm. and
1: they need less training because they've got it I'll give you an example you take uh, an economy car can drive all day in a tank of gas a Ferrari is not going to or a, a Grand Prix car that's the same with an athlete they're going to run out of gas sooner and things are going to break down with, a, with the kids that have it and what I'm saying is you get some young my son was that young when you coordinated and you've got to be careful that they still take time for the joints and tendons and ligaments to adapt. And even if they're older, if you get someone in there like a Horace Grant, who is unbelievable, then you've got to be careful. He needs less. He's going to get more. He's going to get trained stimulus doing less because he doesn't need it. He's got the engine. His body says, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm adapting, where the plow horse needs more. And with the very explosive athletes, I think you do a training cycle of two weeks work, one week unload. And there's a British weightlifting coach, and I'll mispronounce his name, from a Hungarian, but came up with the same conclusion. And in fact, what I did, not I, what Horace did, I would have him do one week of huge volume, and the next week I'd cut it in half.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the next week huge, and cut it in half. Now, is that written in a book? No. I didn't wait for a book to tell me.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: I'll give you one other cool. When I was a high school coach, I called Don Chu. Hey, you know, we are already running slightly downhill. I'd gotten that from a friend of mine that uh, Frank Costello was doing that at Maryland. This is 75, 6, and 7, 78. So we're already running slightly downhill, only a 5% increase in uphill. But I called Don one day. I said, what if we do jumps after we do a weight exercise for time and build fast training? He said, yeah. Well, that's now called complex training. But I didn't wait for someone to tell me. Yeah, You've got to have some, that's the fun of coaching, is to have some creativity. Now, you don't go out in left field and stand on one leg on a physio ball and try to squat and all that nutty stuff. Mm-hmm. Remember, the more unstable you are, the less strength you can develop.
0: Uh, there's just the, there, there's a great little, um, just a great little, uh slide you have here in your presentation uh, the title of it is keeping a, uh, a balanced approach for advanced athletes and you have um, a comparison between certain biomotor qualities so you know you say compare your squat to your squat jump compare your uh, squat to your rate of force development so you're, you're you're comparing the squat to the power clean power snatch push jerk you, yeah. you have the power snatch compared to explosive medicine ball throws a one long jump versus three long jumps so, can you just speak about that as well? Like, why, oh, yeah. why, why would someone I, want
1: to compare? And that? And max, what I have in there is, I've already said it, you compare your maximum squat to your squat jump. Yeah. They should be, if you have a good squat, your squat jump should be good.
2: Yeah.
1: And then you compare your maximum squat to your power clean. Your females are going to be a little less, but I think a male should be somewhere between 60 and 70 percent. Yeah. Power snatch, that's I have a hard time. It's somewhere between probably 45 to 55 to 60.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, and now you can also compare those to body weight, you know, I, I, and push dirt. Let me say this about the Olympic lifts. If you have a 100-kilo athlete and he can only clean 100 kilos, I don't think he's going to get as much out of that power clean because he can drop the bar and just jump straight up, and that's 100 kilos. Mm. So I found to really get something out of those lifts, they got to be able to do more than their body weight. Yeah. That's another. So if you weigh 100 kilos you ought to be able to clean 270 to 300. So if you're weighing 100 kilos, you should be able to clean 130 to 140,
3: mm-hmm.
1: clean, if you're any kind of athlete. I mean, I was an old man weighing probably 85 kilos, and I and I, I cleaned uh, 110,
3: Oof.
1: and I was 46 years old. That's good going. And, and it's only up to a year or two ago that I can't clean my body weight anymore, and that's what I'm trying to get back to. So. You can look at these in relative body weight. you get someone that can power snatch your body weight, you got a stallion. Yeah. I like power snatches. I'm not as scared of teaching them. There's certain, here's another point, certain things you don't, you don't teach to everybody because of limitations. You adapt, adapt, adapt. Then I have, you compare your Olympic lift to ex- explosive medicine ball throws. Now, I have no research. If you're really good at the Olympic lifts, and you go to a wider object, and you're not as good, I, I don't know what that tells you other than your your ability to exert force against the lighter implement, which is more speed, is not as good. So maybe you need to spend more time that doing that. Yeah. If that makes sense, I don't. Yeah, no, it Liam, does that, that makes sense. Liam yeah. would give you a better knowledge. I yeah. Mean, you guys, that guy's a wealth of knowledge.
0: Well, I've 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 heard Dan Dan Pfaff, who's a great uh, uh, track coach, and he he has similar sort of thought process with you in that he would co- he would look at some sprinters, uh, Olympic lifts, in comparison to their medicine ball throws, and he he would say that there is these guys that seem seem to do better in one category or the other, and they need to spend more time in one bracket than the other.
1: Yeah, and the the, the interesting thing sometimes in doing that, if someone's really good at something, sometimes you just train that. There's, There's another school of thought. Sometimes you can work forever to try to improve something they won't improve, but I think if they're really good at the Olympic lifts, you should be able to improve their medicine ball throws. And what did he, what did the gentleman feel about the medicine ball throws? The same thing I said, that it's lighter, it takes a little. It, it yeah. some, I, I guess to put it better, some people can't feel the resistance when it's lighter. Their muscles don't respond, or their nervous system don't, because they're not pushing the gut against the resistance. They don't, I don't know what it is. They just can't coordinate
0: it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I now, under, I understand, I've heard a few people speak about it before That they just they, they, they think there's some intrinsic value to having a look at it as well Like so. And
1: oh yeah I, I believe in that 100% and then you've got one long jump versus five long jumps or three long jumps and I think whatever you long jump you ought to be able to multiply that three to five and that should equal the distance so if your long jump is three meters and you did five you ought to be able to long jump 45 meters in fact Five of them. What I found, the real good athletes, the distance will be longer. I had the great Yuri Bardanian in working with my son in '94, and they had a, a long jump contest for three, and Yuri went 32 or 33 30 feet, and my son, I went 29 or 30 feet, and he was only five foot five, and and you know, and he could really run. The other thing that I like, if you teach, and I used to think bounding was a little more dangerous or a little harder in the body but for normal people but get five bounds get them to teach them the bound get what they can do for five bounds and you can even have them run into it it's hard to start off one rope well, stationary and then and then retest it because I was out bounding I've been doing some bounding uh, when my body allows me and <laughs> and what I found with bounding by running going, doing it uphill is much easier and you could even test them uphill, it doesn't matter if it's all you're looking but if you get them to be able to do it flat, if they run into it and do five, and if you're training it, have them run out of their bounds, because you don't then get to, it's that last impact that will get you. Yeah, yeah. But, but with, I like the bounding, and then comparing the, the different vertical jump tests that we've already talked about, uh, you know... You know, so there's there's just so many. I got static. Uh, the counter movement vertical jump should improve, uh, I,
0: uh, And the, the the deficit with that all you, you I think I heard you say that your non-counter should be no less than about twenty percent. Is it of your of your counter?
1: Yeah, it, you know I have talked to Liam about that, and it, it it depends on the athlete. I think real elastic kids will be maybe twenty to twenty five. Other other depending on other sports, maybe fifteen to twenty. And female will be less females or more like, I believe, I believe about 10 to 15%. Yeah. And so, uh, and then the other, another simple elastic test is just get a box. It can be, uh, I know Don Chu just believes that you should equal your best vertical jump off an 18 inch. I, box.
0: I, I use, I use that test for, for elastic strength.
1: And I think that's and, and you would probably use a forty centimeter box because you work in don't you work in centimeters. Am I
0: correct or am I? Well, I actually, no. I, I work in the boxes I have. I have them in inches, so I use an eighteen for the guys. Does and that I, work out pretty good for you. Yeah, I, I like because I, I don't have a jump mat, so what what no, I do what what, what I do is, well, yeah, what what I do is I uh, I mark I mark a line on the wall and I do our I do our counter. No, that's okay. I do our counter and oh. our, our non-counter jumps, and then I do the elastic jumps, and I just uh, do it with tape measure and chalk. So that's how I do it. Hey, if it
1: works, you don't have to have it. That's the thing. Don't make excuses why you don't do things, and that's what you're you're doing what you can. When you do that, let me ask you: Have you seen the elastic kids? Obviously, you're better off the box.
0: Oh, definitely, big time. But it, it's funny because if 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 you have a good athlete just just going back to the counter and non counter movement jumps you would you would presume that your non counter should be more than your counter movement because obviously you have the elasticity but I have often seen some of the lesser trained athletes their actual non counter is the same or even a bit better and at first it was a bit confusing but then I was like the reason why it's better is because they don't they, they're just very poor at, eccentrically at using that eccentric face to to well, I think of it like this it's it's, it''s it's
1: like loading a spring they can't
0: load it yeah, they can't load it at all. They they just they, they don't they don't know how to use that eccentric phase to support the concentric oh, phase. And,
1: and, that, and, and that's part of that intermuscular coordination. Exactly, that's, that's exactly, right. yeah, That's yeah. why it's cyclical repetitive exercises and uh, when I, when I'm rewriting kind of my definitions our terminology. I'm trying to come up with terms that people can understand better. Yeah. Uh, but little, but let me give you one thought. On, on your periodization, and I'm working on this, but it's like me, I never finish anything. So <laughs> whether I ever finish it or not, I start things. Um, my mother said her father was that way, never finished anything. But uh, what I'm saying is this, I'm coming up with my guidelines or norms or comparisons.
2: Yeah.
1: I've got red, so red tells you deficient. Gray says they're grayer. Green means good.
2: Yeah, and
1: if you're coaching someone to win the world rugby championship, whatever that trophy looks like, that's what. So if you color code, so if you went back to that uh, order of development, and you're and you develop, all you have to have, and you can even use three. You could use red, green, and um, whatever. Yeah. And okay, you go through your work capacity test, and whatever you determine is red, he's red. You don't have to think about what else you need to do.
0: He's got to do more if work got, capacity. if they're yeah.
1: green in work capacity and they're green or golden strength and their power is gray, that tells you. So if you use a colored code system, you're not always thinking, well, what's their numbers?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's. That, I'll, that, send that,
1: you, I'll send you a sample of what I've done. That's like, that's funny. It's thing
0: very thing funny because m- currently the, the system I use is very similar to that. I, I basically look at... I basically look at well obviously I, I look at movement quality first as, as we discussed so I, I, I do you know I, I personally use Gray's function movement screen for that but then when it comes to buyer motor qualities I look at work capacity I look at um I look at body composition Then maximum strength Explosive strength Elastic Reactive strength And speed And then whatever is the most Deficient quality That the athlete has Is the one I train According to the Athletic development hierarchy So if I have I, If I have a guy Who's very fast And elastic But, but still His work capacity is bad I'm still going to do More work capacity To help him support His elasticity and strength And will just maintain His elasticity And speed yeah, and strength
1: But you're go- You just said the key thing Even though they're not In great You're going to work On the work capacity Yeah. But you're not going to sacrifice the quality
0: they already have. No, no, yeah. yeah. I always.
1: When you got that, and Charlie always made it, that's why I always have speed. And a lot of the things I did.
0: Always, yeah, always. By
1: accident, and, and, and I think the listeners need to listen to this. When I was a high school coach in California, everybody thinks it's sunny every day. It wasn't. So we lifted and did jumps in the weight room, and we didn't do much, we couldn't sprint. And then we, we took a few weeks off. I let them recover. Yeah. And then we had spring football, which is a lot of sprinting, and explosive work. A few weeks off. Then our summer program was 45 to 50 minutes of sprinting. And then we lifted and jumped for 45 to 50.
2: Yeah.
1: Four days a week. And then we had football. But the point being is I never took them back. So if you have a great speed quality, elastic quality, don't spend so much time that you diminish something they have. Yeah. You always want a little speed and power work in there, so they Mm -hmm. maintain it. And some coaches will say, well, this person is this, and so they they start them all over. Once they develop a quality, the next year, build upon what they've done, and that's what you're doing.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I I remember I heard a great saying from you, you were like, always keep a tread of everything in your program. You just emphasize one specific quality and maintain the others.
1: That's Charlie Francis, and what I'm saying is, by accident, I, my programs are always that way. And when I met Charlie, who was a lot, was a hell of a lot more intelligent than me, he defined it and said it in better ways. And yeah. then I used that concept. But yeah, if you train, I know a lot of people like to get this block training method. Yeah, I I can see why they do it, but you got to be very careful when you transition into the next methodology.
0: Well, I think I I I always say that that I kind of I well I call my if you want to say periodization model a block periodization model, but it's kind of I I I would still I still always I always have every biomechanical quality in every block. I just emphasize one specific biomechanical quality while I either main while I either maintain or I introduce another biomechanical quality. So for instance, if we're if we're if I have an athlete, his work his body composition is good, his work capacity is good, but his strength isn't great. uh like we're we're still going to be doing. Some speed work. We're still gonna be doing some explosive jumps. We're still gonna be doing some medicine ball work. We're gonna be doing some uh, Olympic lifts because after his his maximum strength is up, we want to move on to some explosive strength work. If if explosive is you're, that's if his explosive strength needs work.
1: You're uh, exactly exactly right. I was gonna make one other comment. I didn't want to interrupt you. you oh yeah, about sorry. And, and, and I didn't want to God now I'm getting senile, old man. Again. <laughs> I'm thinking about you talked about something. And it Thing that's important is to look what the athlete looks like. Yeah. You're gonna have, I, I know guys that have a training plan; they're going to do come hell or high water. If they walk in and they're not explosive, don't work explosive. Yeah. I, I was training my wife yesterday. I said, "Let's put the bar down. You don't just do just do something else." Yeah. You know, if you if you're trying to work maximum squat and you see the kid struggling, hey, lighten it up. He don't have it. Yeah. You yeah. can't you can't force feed things. And, and that's where injuries occur and that's where you know I think the reason people have gotten on this no back spot is that you've got some mental midgets teaching it yeah,
2: yeah, you know
1: they load everybody up they don't understand it's a progression Yeah. and then they, they got the record board and someone calls them from another college well my guys are stronger than yours hey that isn't about that still doesn't prove who's going to win the game it's about players making plays yeah. it's about and you can look at it at any, at any and it's about players who make great plays. Hell, I never trained Michael Jordan. You think Michael? Uh, he wouldn't. He would have been better. I mean, that's that's absurd.
3: Yeah, yeah. Michael
1: Jordan was Michael Jordan.
3: Yeah.
1: The biggest thing you wouldn't want to do is screw him up. You know. And Joe Montana was Joe Montana. I didn't train Joe either.
0: I, I'll um, just just you know, a, just a few more questions before I let you go. Yeah. Um, I was just gonna. What was I gonna ask you there? Now, just with regards to. Uh, recovery. What What would you do in that instance? You were just because just just talking about that. Uh,
1: first of all, I'm a great believer that you need three or four to one carbs to protein post workout.
2: Yeah, yeah. And what
1: I do. Athletes to finish with a cyclical, elastic, easy movement, so that coordination pattern is always there. Good, the last man. thing you do in a workout is squat, and we used to do our jumps after we lifted. Now the experts and in nobody, and they, the, you know, Ian Carmelo Bosco was always concerned that the big motor units would be tired. But unless the body, not when we're doing high volume, but I always found they jump better after we lifted. And even, even if we didn't do that, we would take a low box, 12-inch box, and have the guy step backwards, which is much easier on your body, land and jump back up on the box, and it could be lower. I always want to finish with something elastic and that, that agonist-antagonistic coordination. Contract, relax quickly. I just think you want to leave them feeling that. If that maybe makes no sense, but that's what I really believe.
0: Al, uh, there, there's a lot of discussion out there with Louis Simmons with regards to Olympic lifts, and Louis believes that Olympic lifts aren't the best exercises to develop explosive strength. What would your uh, what would your reply be to Louis on that? Well,
1: I respectfully disagree with Louis. I know he's felt that way. We've talked together uh, at one coaching clinic and I've read the things he said in comments. But I guess all those track and field athletes, all those throwers, and all the football players, and all the people around, around the world—they all can't be wrong. Yeah. There's a reason they do it, because in terms of heavy movement of, or a large object move rapidly or explosively, Olympic lifting is one of the best tools, not the only tool. It, it, that's the thing people have to understand, and there has to be a tremendous amount of preparation before you do it and understanding how to coach it. And if you don't know how to coach it, you shouldn't do it. But if you read all the sports scientists, you read Kramer, you read Stone, Garhammer, you read uh, half, Schmidt, Blanker, you look at all those guys. I mean, these are sports scientists. This isn't some guy in, in his basement. <laughs> and, and, and they're not being disrespectful to Louis, but, I mean, we're all entitled to have a different opinion, and yeah. that, that's fine. But I've just spent 50 years of doing this, and I I, I know what works and doesn't. Now, that program must include plyometrics, sprint drills, and sprinting, a lot of other things. The other thing people don't realize about Olympic lifting is, that there is a very strong correlation to the vertical jump and how well you Olympic lift.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, we know vertical jump is one of the best tests to measure athletic ability. And we know the research that people, they actually did some research someplace where some people jumped and some people Olympic lift, and Olympic lifters improved the jump more. I forget what type of jump. And when you do any type of overhead movement, like a push-press, push-jerk, or jerk, you use a lot of elastic strength. And the other thing people don't realize, when you lower the bar from overhead, you do a snatch or clean and you lower it to the hang position or lower it to the floor. There's a lot of eccentric component. And uh, and this has been uh, told to me by no other than uh, a very world-renowned uh, uh, physical therapist out of uh, Australia, Mark Comerford. He said, think about when you lower that bar, when you take it off your chest and lower it. So it has all the components that you need. And, and it builds the, uh, and Mel Sips said, it. it's when you catch that bar, the, the lumbar pelvic rhythm, and the structural strength you must have when you ca- impact that bar, it's a lot like you have on a landing of a jump or impact in sports. So I think it has a lot of carryover. But is it the only thing? No. That's the big thing sometimes people think that's all we ever did, and that, that that's not true. But everybody has a different opinion, and they're all in, in, entitled to it. My opinion's based on, on my own experiences, of coaching multiple different sports and men and women and all the research is done around the world yeah. so everybody can make up their own mind and then go from there
0: Could I just add, add just a little, a little caveat to that because I know you you were saying that the Olympic lifts have a huge correlation to, to vertical jumps which they do but when, when I posed that to Louis before Louis says yes that's true but only it, with elite Olympic lifters, he's like, if you're talking, he he believes that athletes who do Olympic lifts don't do them proficiently well enough or have enough load on the bar to get the benefit of that true Olympic lifters. zoo what would you think about that, Al? Well, that's
1: not that's not true at all. Uh, I I coach the both Some guys could use big load, and some not. Yeah, it yeah. is it's not the amount of the load; it's the velocity you use. So, what is heavy to one person is light to another.
2: Yeah.
1: So, if you have a person that's, you know, I would I would give this thought. I think you have to power clean over your body weight to get the butt I think once you more start getting the weight over your body weight, the better, the, the, the stronger the effect. There's no no question about that. Yeah, but yeah. no, because if that was the case, the only elite lifters got that because they handled heavy loads. Now think about that. How strong were those elite lifters when they started? Yeah. They were kids. Yeah. So if... If it didn't develop that quality, they couldn't turn into the lifters. Now, obviously, they were genetically gifted. Nope. Anybody that's at the top of any sport is genetically gifted to be there. But what I'm saying, I coached high school football back in the 70s, and we did the lifts. And, you know, in uh, my last year, the team averaged 30 pounds per man over the body weight, with they could clean and jerk. And so, the other thing is you've got to know how to coach them. Yeah. Too many people want to walk in the weight room and do deadlifts and squats and call it coaching. Yeah. So you see, the other thing people don't understand, Olympic lift has a rhythm to it, and he, you when you and as Bapa talks about in his book, you have intermuscular coordination. So the one group of muscles, the agonist, have to contract; the antagonist, they have to relax. And the more efficient you get at doing that, the better you're going to be at explosive movements. But if all you ever do is heavy squats and deadlifts, you're under tension so long, those muscles don't learn to turn on and turn off quickly. Yeah. yeah. And if you, the great sprint coach, Charlie Francis, always talked about it, it's not only how fast you turn it on, it's how fast you turn it off. And elliptic lifting is a form of ballistic training. And now some people would say you're catching the weight, but there's on a ballistic moment when you're exploding that thing. And, you know, so I think there's so many benefits to it to say that well, only only the elite get there. Then then everybody shouldn't sprint because we're never going to be world class. Go. No. Yeah, if if you're not elite sprinters, then why do, then why should we sprint? If we're not elite jumpers, why do we jump? It, that's an illogical uh, thought process because we go out and sprint to run faster. We may not become world class sprinters, but we run to increase that ability. We jump and do plyometric work, so we get more explosive, more elastic. But we're not going to be setting a world record, and so it's the same in Olympic lifting. Yeah, I think that's it it helps us be explosive. I don't think I've I've never said anybody's going to be a world record holder. Uh, And I I think if you look at you know, and if you looked at the studies, there was a study done, I think, by Gary Hunter. I can't remember who did it years ago. There's been several comparing Olympic lifters, bodybuilders, and power lifters. and the Olympic lifters are always more powerful and more elastic. So if it develops more to do it, becomes more explosive and elastic, then why not do it? Yeah. And, yeah. and that, 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 I'm not saying it's a whole thing. You have to integrate all that stuff together. And I know dealing with TPI titleists, one of the exercises they want people to do to hit the ball always the way, power
2: yeah.
1: So uh, I, I think you've got to be careful uh, becoming that, that's so hardened in your beliefs that you don't have an open mind. And there's nothing wrong with powerlifting, other than it's just flat done too slow all the time, and you're under those big loads. And here's the—I think I alluded to earlier—the longer you're under tension, and if you do that too long, too much of your training, it affects the ability to contract and relax and be, have a fluid movement. And I—that's just too many years of coaching. I've seen it, and uh, so forth. But you know, I—you know what? the rest of the world and I'm gonna do what I do and uh
0: too much longer I'll just um, did, just? you were saying they're like powerless and slow I know I know. just what Louis would say is if, if you took if you took an 800 pound deadlifter and a 1000 pound squatter or whatever squatter he would say the time it takes them to, to, to get the bar from point A to point B with, with regards to the load they're lifting they actually lifted as they put as much force and velocity in the bar as an Olympic lifter that's what he believes well that's
1: not true because you just looked at the velocity the fastest form of weightlifting is so yeah, it's yeah. over two meters per second. I'm not saying doing those exercises are wrong. I don't want the listeners to misintrude, because I believe in squats and
2: pulls. Oh, I know that.
1: I'm saying that if that's all you do day in and out, day in and day out, year after year, the con- contra- contraction, yes, you're putting maximum force, but the, you know, you're under load such a long time. I mean, I, all you got to do is time a squat compared to a plane. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. absurd, too time of deadlift, I mean, that's an absurd thing, you're putting maximum force, you're developing the press to its fiber to a degree, but what you're not doing is the the agonist and antagonistic are staying in that role too long, and you're learning to be a grinder, you're never learning to boom,
2: pop,
1: so I think, again, strength has a role, Uh, Olympic lifting has a role, when I say athletes, that's all they should do. No, absolutely not. Yeah. And I think you have to look, like, in the order of development along the process where you're at. And I'm not saying to run fast you have to do Olympic lifters. There's a guy, Ben Johnson didn't do him. He's a world record holder. Yeah. And, it, you know, and here's the point that Charlie made to me. He said Ben Johnson could squat a lot because he ran fast.
2: Yeah.
1: He didn't run fast because he could squat a lot.
2: Yeah, so. Yeah.
1: And the great ones are all made; they're all born. <laughs> and it's the main thing is not to screw
0: them up. So, yeah.
1: does that answer your question on that?
0: Yeah, I, I definitely. I definitely. Anything
1: else? Why I have got you on the phone? That you want me to? Yeah, I mean,
0: if it just maybe. Um, t- we'll just say two more things. I, 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 know I sent you that video with regards to the Olympic list with the bands. What, what did you did you look at it? And if you did, uh, yeah, I.
1: You know, until I see guys setting world records using that, I, I you know. I think probably a little of the bands yeah. may have some merit. Yeah. I Just again, it changes the, the pattern of acceleration. And I, I have not seen or read, uh, not hearsay, I don't, anybody can say something, but I have not seen or read of any of the lifters doing that.
2: Yeah, and
1: yeah. in fact, the things that lifters generally do are jumps and sprints to complement it. Yeah. And that's what the Russians did with all their young lifters. And I asked the great Sikorsky, one of the most brilliant guys there is up there, you know, he wrote that great book, uh, Principles of Training. I can't remember remember the exact name. But so
0: science, Science and Practice of Strength Training. Yeah.
1: And I asked him about bands. He said they used them a little bit in wrestling, but not for anything else.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. I said, again, for powerlifting, it may help. Now I'm not disagreeing with anybody. If you want pure strength, it may help. But if, you know, again... You know, if you throw a shot clip, the bands can create an elastic, I mean, an eccentric overload.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. And I understand that. But then when you reverse it, you're under, again, you're trying to pull against that longer than you normally would. You're not accelerating. Maybe a little bit would be fine. I'm not saying it wouldn't. I don't know that. Yeah. But if I want an eccentric overload, you know, in fact, I recommend this to people. If you're going to have someone max out four weeks from now with uh, 200 kilos, maybe every, every once a week or twice a week or once a week, have them finish lowering that bar. Yeah. You know, eccentric work isn't new. You know, and you know, just lower the squat so they can control it. So when they go to uh, try a new max, they can. If you can control the eccentric motion, you got a lot better shot getting out of the bottom. Yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, again, that's just my opinion on that. Uh, you know, I I, I like the old thing the Russians did. I had them back to the 49ers. You know, they're nothing new. We had a set of drop-off hooks where I'd have a guy squat, and the, and the, thing, the, the hooks would drop off.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's
1: and amazing. I had a, I had some at the Bulls, and what we did, we took the lightest bar we could get, and I put 15 kilos on each hook, and then I'd have them squat down, you know, and I had, I had real long ones, so they'd only go down about... Six inches, eight inches, and they'd pop off and jump. Right. So I overloaded the eccentric portion, and then it dropped off. The other thing we did, Mike Stone and I, it did the same thing. I'd have guys stand by a, a box, and they had a set of dumb, a pair of dumbbells in each hand, and they'd squat down quickly.
0: Joe DeFranco, and, and he be he would be influenced by Louis as a strength coach, but he, he personally doesn't use Olympic lifts. He believes that you can get enough of, of what you're looking for in regards to just throwing the medicine ball and doing explosive jumps. But I know that I I know that like you know medicine balls and explosive jumps are more on the s- speed strength end of the continuum, and Olympic lifts are more, and more and on he, it. He, and they
1: do a great job. And maybe if these have not the thing I tell people, build and success don't change. Yeah. The one thing you won't get with either one of those is the lumbos rhythm that you need for the jumps. I think they're a prelude to jumping. And the other thing is catching that bar and stable. Everybody talks about stability.
2: Yeah.
1: We're stabilizing that bar overhead, doing power snatches. And if you want, I can send you some clips of my son power snatching, and you can see the elastic... Again, not the elastic only... See, that's the other thing, uh, you won't, the clip isn't great, but if I had the original, when I had the original good picture of it, you can see he had his shirt off and how his abdominals contract when you're making that pull. Yeah. But but the, but the if you can play it on your website, it shows how when he lowers the bar to the hang position, the eccentric strength you need.
2: Yeah, definitely. See, that's
1: the other thing is, in football and hitting sports, the Olympic lift's done below the knees, that's the exact angle you hit somebody. Yeah, and that's the exact angle you saw So, and again, I, I'm not out to convert the world. I'm, I'm not out to you know, convert anybody. That's up to them to read and do what they want. But, you know, I, you know there's so many likenesses of why you do those things, like why you do plyometrics. I love explosive medicine ball throws and jumps. I think all those things are wonderful. I think if you're coaching teenage boys and girls, I think you ought to get them to track and field and do some uh, events there. I think you know that's great carryover to all sports. So, uh, and just remember this: there's nothing specific to the sport but playing the actual game. Yeah. Practice is close, but you know, I'll give you the example. Some guys can hit the ball great on the range, and they go in the competition, they can't. So nothing duplicates. I agree with Charlie. All training's general, except the game. That's you know there are other things. What you try to do is train the components within the game—the elastic strength and all those things, explosive strength—but nothing is, is specific as playing the particular
2: sport.
0: Yeah, oh, that's uh, that's great. I mean, uh, that was one question I really wanted to clear up you. So, you know, I really, really appreciate that. And uh, oh, no,
1: that's that. You know, everybody has their own way to do it. You know, like I said, I have uh, they're all entitled to their own opinions. Yeah. Uh, that that doesn't, uh, that, you know. So, I just think you. I think you have to go to the practicality, and if all the researchers in the world say this, or the ones I've, I, I haven't read, the, you know, and I had the great Carmelo Bosco in my weight room one day watching what we were doing, he said, Meg, I said, what do you think, Carmelo? He said, magnificent. <laughs> so, it's you 99. know, I, I, I don't, I, you know, and, and I had the Kale Hack exam, said the same, you know, didn't, he said the same thing. I mean, you know, the, he, he influenced me a lot. He, I had him in once, but he was a very bright man. You know, like I said, it's all those other people. I mean, y- you kind of look for a consensus. Yeah. You know, and so anyway, I hope that helps you. And I hope the, the listeners get something out of this and it's beneficial to them.
0: That's brilliant. Thanks a million, I'll, um Thank you very much for having me on. Would you like me to send
1: you that video clip? Oh,
0: absolutely, definitely. Please do, yeah. I'd send you horse
1: cleaning 300, but I, I don't, I, he wouldn't, I don't know if, he, I know he said I could do it. Cause I've got and I've got one of them clean and jerk of 110 kilos, and uh, but uh, it's just uh, I don't I don't want it to get on the internet and someone use it the wrong way.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a fair enough. Well, what, whatever you have, I mean, if you want to send one of Lance, uh, I'll see if I can put it up. So that'd be great. Yeah. All right. You take care. Thanks, Thanks man, thank you for you having care. me on. No and problem. Good
1: luck to all you listeners in your journey and strength and conditioning. <laughs> remember Remember one thing when you're dealing with your athletes, it's it's always it's about them and just give them the, your best effort and uh, don't forget what it was like for yourself to compete and sometimes not succeed because yeah. everybody can, everybody's happy when you win, but when things don't go right, that's when the coach has got to step up and, and, and prop everybody up. There's an old saying when I worked for Vince Gibson at Kansas State as a graduate assistant. I was really just a great gopher. He said, when the players get down, the coaches have got to get up. Oh,
0: that's, and,
1: rude. Uh, he, that's something to not forget. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thanks
0: for being in. I'll take care. Thank yeah. you.